<laughs> it's, it's been great. And whether we're talking about the choir or the congregation or the instrumentalist or the children that sing, it's all been absolutely wonderful. You know, I've noticed something about some of the children here at uh, the church. I'm, I'm impressed with them and their dedication to the Lord. But I've also got to tell you, I'm impressed by some of the hairstyles that I see. <laughs> I kind of like these mohawks on these guys here. I, I've seen a few others that, that have the mohawks. And, and I was watching you all sing and kind of getting inspired by that. And I leaned over to Lisa and I said, you know, I've been thinking about getting one of those. <laughs> She said, you better not. <laughs> but can you imagine what it would be like if I show up next Sunday with a mohawk? And, and what else it would be like if I could convince William and Billy to do the same thing? And we all just show up here that way next Sunday. That'd be, uh, uh, hey, we ran out of room in the parking lot today. I, there's no telling what might happen next Sunday if, uh, if that happened. Well, it's good to see all of you here today. I hope you've had a really good week and uh, glad that you're here. Thanks for coming out and being faithful on a rainy Sunday morning. Well, take your Bibles and turn with me today to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And I've entitled the message, The Formula for Forgiveness. The Formula for Forgiveness. And that's what Jesus is teaching about in this passage is forgiveness and how that we are to forgive other people in the same way that God has forgiven us. So in Matthew chapter 18, we'll begin with verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle the accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also 
will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. May God bless the reading of his word today. The Spanish have a story in their culture about a father and son who became very angry at one another. Out of his anger, this young boy, whose name was Paco, decided that he would leave home, he would leave his father, and would never speak to him or ever see him again. And so he left. It broke the father's heart. And he searched diligently for his son, all to no avail. After several months, the father, in desperation, turned to the local newspaper. And he paid to have an ad placed in the newspaper. And the, paper, the newspaper ad read like this. Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. The story goes on to say that the next Saturday at noon, some 800 young Spanish men by the name of Paco showed up in front of the newspaper office, all seeking forgiveness. That story just reminds us of a truth that I think we all know. And that truth is that we all need to be forgiven, don't we? We have to be forgiven of our sins to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we're saved, our sins are forgiven and and, uh, they're taken away. And I thank God for that. We all have a need for forgiveness. But we also have a need to offer forgiveness to other people. We'll not live long in this world, will we? Before someone in some way hurts us and we find ourselves in need of forgiving them. The word forgive in the Bible literally means to cancel a debt. When someone harms you, hurts you, injures you, when someone wrongs you in some kind of way, they incur a debt to you. And when you forgive someone, you cancel the debt. You just clear them of that debt. Just like Jesus bore the burden for your sin and my sin, you decide that you're going to bear the burden for their sin and you're going to forgive them just as Christ forgave us. When Jesus taught about forgiveness, he often did so in this with this idea of canceling a debt in mind. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, He taught us to pray, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so this parable that we're looking at this morning, the parable of the unforgiving servant, this parable... Uh, which forms the major portion of Matthew chapter 18, deals with this matter of forgiveness and how that it cancels the debt of another person when we forgive them. Now, if you're here this morning and you've been hurt, you've been wronged by someone, whether they did it intentionally or unintentionally, and you're carrying around that, that bitterness inside of you, and you're aware of a need to forgive because it gets in your way. 
The lack of forgiveness will get in the way of your prayer life. It'll steal the joy away from your life as a Christian. It will give you an unsettled feeling inside instead of the peace of God that the Lord wants to be in your life. And so if you're here and you're holding something against someone, the greatest need that you have in your life today is to forgive that person. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the greatest need you have is to be forgiven by Him. And both can happen in this service here this morning. As we look at this passage of Scripture and think about the formula of forgiveness, there are actually four actions that are a part of this formula for forgiveness as Jesus taught them in Matthew chapter 18. The first action that we must take to forgive others is to abandon the measurement of forgiveness. Abandon the measurement of forgiveness. Now that's what Jesus is talking and conversing with Simon Peter about in verses 21 and 22 of our text. You know, we like to put measurements on things, don't we? We measure the horsepower of engines. We measure the square footage in houses. We measure grades in school. We measure uh, other things that are very personal, like uh, height and weight and IQ and things like that. Incidentally, thinking about measuring those things, I have a yearly physical scheduled tomorrow morning that I'm supposed to go into. And I don't know why it is, but you go in there in the, you know, you wait a long time in the waiting room. And then you go into the doctor's examination room and, and you still wait a long time when you're in there. And so you get starved to death for something to read. And you read everything that's on the wall that is in there just to try to keep yourself from falling asleep and, and getting too bored. And you know, inevitably, in every one of those doctor's offices, they have a height and weight chart that's in there. Have you noticed that? I remember a few years ago going for a physical, and I was quite a bit heavier than I am now. I knew that I needed to lose some weight. And I got to looking on that chart where it shows your height in one column and your weight in another column. And I found my height and then I found the weight that I'm supposed to weigh. And I didn't really like what it said. And so I thought, I wonder how it would be to just read this chart in a different way. So I kept reading on down the chart until I found my weight. And then I went over to the left-hand column for the height, and I discovered that if I were 6 feet 8 inches tall, my weight would be exactly perfect of what I weighed back then. You know, we, we like to measure things, don't we? We, we, we like to measure. Uh, that's just a fact of who we are as, as human beings. We, we like to compare. Well, in this passage, Simon Peter, he's trying to put a measurement on forgiveness. And most of the time when we measure things... We try to make ourselves look good in what we're measuring. And that's what Simon Peter's doing in this passage of Scripture. He's trying to impress Jesus. He says, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Now he's trying to impress Jesus when he said that. Because you see, the Jewish rabbis taught that all you really had to do was forgive a person three times. And that was all. And so Peter thought, hey, I'm going to really impress Jesus. I'm not going to suggest forgiving three times. I'm going to double it. 
and then I'm going to throw one more in for good measure. Do I forgive my brother up to seven times? He thought probably that he would get a pat on the back from Jesus. But Jesus responded, and he said, I do not say up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. You begin to measure that number out. And uh, so you, you take the number, uh, you know, it comes up to 490 times. Uh, Jesus took the number 70, a multiple of the perfect number 7, multiplied it by 7, meaning that we're to forgive someone an unlimited number of times. So if you walk out of here today and say 490 times, that's a lot of times to forgive, but, but I'll forgive that many times. Don't put that number on it, that'll be wrong too. I found that out the first year of marriage. Lisa reminded me about six months into the marriage, your 490 times to be forgiven is up. It's already over. You, you've already exceeded the number. And uh, I was so glad I could go to this passage and understand that Jesus was talking about unlimited forgiveness. And Lisa knew that. She was just picking on me, being the nice guy that I am and just wanting to rib me and pick on me. We do that to one another all the time. But the thing Jesus is saying is don't get obsessed without putting a number on forgiveness. If you're counting the number of times to forgive, you've not really understood what forgiveness is all about. And so we must abandon the measurement of forgiveness. But then the second action that we're to take to forgive others is we're to adopt the manner of forgiveness. How are we supposed to forgive? Well, Jesus told a parable. A parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. And Jesus told this in order to help us know how to forgive. And so he tells us this story about a servant, a man who, who was a master over servants. And he goes to, the, uh, to one of the servants that owed him a, a huge debt, a debt that would have been impossible to pay Probably even in a lifetime. And, and Jesus talks about this story and, and how the master demanded the servant to pay and that if he didn't pay, that he would have him thrown into jail and all these kind of things. Well, this servant begs mercy from the master and asks for forgiveness. And sure enough, the master forgives that debt. And we see that in verses 23 through 27. And, and we see that the master responded in pity. He was moved with compassion on this servant who was unable to pay this debt. When he was moved with pity and compassion, it reminds me of how Jesus looked upon the multitudes. In Matthew 9.36, it says Jesus saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion upon them. I'm reminded in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, where Jesus went up on the Mount of Olives and He looked down upon Jerusalem with pity. And He wept. And He said, He lamented over Jerusalem. And He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who've been sent unto you, how often would I have gathered Unto, gathered you to me uh, like children, uh, uh, like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were unwilling. And then I thought about the ultimate statement of compassion 
on the cross where Jesus looks at the very people who have demanded His crucifixion and those who drove the nails into His hands and put the crown of thorns on His head and Jesus prays, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. When I see this master reacting in pity, it reminds me of the way Jesus has reacted for us. Aren't you thankful for His pity and His compassion, His grace that He's shown to you and me? But also in this passage of Scripture, this master reacted in pardon. He released this servant. He forgave him the debt. The king, this master, he could have ruined this man. But instead, he released him. Just like Jesus releases us when we come before him and ask him for his forgiveness. I love the hymn that says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. The reformer Martin Luther once told about a dream in which in this dream the devil came and stood at the foot of his bed. And the devil unrolled a scroll. And on that lengthy scroll from top to bottom was a listing of Martin Luther's sins. And the devil said, Luther, are these your sins? Is this an accurate account of your life? And Martin Luther looked at it and he said, Yes, it is an accurate account. And the devil said, Luther, you are my prisoner. You deserve to die. You deserve to spend eternity with me in hell. About that time in his dream, Martin Luther said that the Lord Jesus walked into the room And he took the scroll out of the devil's hand. And with his own blood, Jesus wrote across the sins on that scroll. He wrote the word forgiven. Forgiven. And that's exactly what Jesus has done for you and me. Because of the cross, Jesus, the blood that he shed there, he offers forgiveness freely to you and to me. And oh, how I praise him for that. The Bible says in Jeremiah 31, 4, that God will forgive our iniquity, that he will remember our sins no more. He forgets about our sins. When we come to Him and confess them, He doesn't remember them. Uh, The Bible says that He takes our sins and He casts them into the depths of the sea uh, of forgetfulness to be remembered against us no more. And when He casts our our sins into the depths of the sea, He puts up a sign that says no fishing. So don't be fishing for your old sins anymore. Just rejoice that you've been forgiven, that you've received the pardon of the Lord. Now the point here is simply this. Because God has forgiven us that way, we're to forgive other people in the same manner. We're to forgive as this master forgave his servant. And as Jesus has forgiven us, adopt the manner of forgiveness. But there's a third action that's mentioned in this passage of Scripture. And that third action is, avoid the misuse of forgiveness. Avoid the misuse of forgiveness. We misuse forgiveness when those of us who have been forgiven fail 
to forgive other people. Now that's what we see as the parable continues on in verses 28 through 31. This servant who had been forgiven a debt that he could never repay, this servant who'd been forgiven so much, he goes to one of his fellow servants who owed him a debt, and it was a much smaller debt. It was a debt that could certainly be repaid uh, over a short period of time. And this servant goes and he demands payment from his fellow servant. And the servant, uh, he, he just... He just says, I'm going to throw you in jail. I'm going to cast you in prison because of this debt that you owe me. Now, what happened here? That's a misuse of forgiveness. One who had been forgiven so much failed to extend forgiveness to another person. And what happened here is that instead of giving pity, he demanded payment. And when we don't forgive other people, that's what we do. We try to make them pay, don't we? I'll never speak to them again. I'll never look in their direction. I'll never see, uh, they'll never see me give them a smile. All those kind of things. We get ice cold toward another person. And we think that we're making them Pay a debt to us. But you know who's doing the paying, don't you? It's the person holding on to that unforgiveness. You're paying a far greater price than that person that you're refusing to forgive. And by the way, if these people pay their own debt, then you didn't forgive them. It wasn't really forgiveness anyway. So instead of giving pity, he demanded payment. But then secondly, instead of granting pardon, he gave punishment. He threw his fellow servant into prison. And I want to say to you that when you imprison somebody else in a prison of unforgiveness, you also shut yourself inside a prison and you lock the door and you throw away the key until you experience God's forgiveness and you ask forgiveness of the other person. Several years ago, a medical doctor by the name of Dr. S.I. McMillan wrote a book entitled, None of These Diseases. And I want you to see what he said from a medical perspective, from a physical perspective, what it does to us when we refuse to forgive. Here's his words. The moment I start hating a man, I become his slave. I can't enjoy my work anymore because he even controls my thoughts. My resentments produce too many stress hormones in my body, and I become fatigued after only a few hours of work. The work I formerly enjoyed is now drudgery. Even vacations cease to give me pleasure. It may be a luxurious car that I drive along a lake, fringed with the autumn beauty of maple, oak, and burp. Uh, Burp. Birch. Sorry about that. We had grandkids with us this week. I'm sorry. Maple, oak, and birch. And then he says, as far as I'm, my experience of pleasure is concerned, I might as well be driving a wagon in the mud and the rain. Now listen to this. The man I hate hounds me wherever I go. 
I can't escape his tyrannical grasp on my mind when the waiter serves me filet mignon with french fries and asparagus and a crisp salad and strawberry shortcake covered with ice cream. It might as well be stale bread and water. My teeth chew the food and I swallow it, but the man I hate will not permit me to enjoy it. The man I hate may be miles from my bedroom, more cruel than any slave driver. He, he whips my thoughts into such a frenzy that my comfortable mattress becomes a rack of torture. The lowliest of serfs can sleep, but not I. I really must acknowledge the fact that I am a slave to every man on whom I pour the vials of my wrath. Well, that is so well stated. And when you forgive, you set a prisoner free. And that prisoner is you. That prisoner is you. Now, there's a fourth action that is a part of this formula for forgiveness. And this is where it gets real practical. This is where the rubber hits the road. Number four, apply the message of forgiveness. Apply the message of forgiveness. That's what Jesus is talking about in verses 32 through 35. And what a powerful message this is from the lips of our Lord. Look at it in verses 32 and following. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you. Listen, when someone hurts you, when someone harms you, when someone wronged you, there are three options that you have. Three options. One, you can internalize that hurt. That's where you take the hurt inside of you. And you make the terrible mistake of saying, time heals all wounds. You know, that's just not true. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Sometimes a wound, if it's not treated properly and dealt with, it will get infected. And it will cause a person to not heal, to have an amputation. All kinds of things. Even their body can become septic because of that. Uh, internalizing hurt is kind of like grabbing a rattlesnake by the tail. It's going to turn around and it's going to bite you. And if you internalize hurt, that's, that's what will happen. But there's another option. And a lot of people take this option. It's not a good one, but you do have the opportunity to take this action. You can retaliate against the person who hurt you. And you can decide, okay, it's an eye for an eye, it's a tooth for tooth. They hurt me in this way, I'm going to hurt them right back in the same way, maybe even just a little bit more. But that's when we've got to be reminded that Scripture says, the Lord says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Usually when we try to settle something ourselves, By vengeance and retaliation, we usually don't make things one bit better, do we? It just gets worse. We turn the heat up and the situation intensifies. It's just not worth it. The grizzly bear is one of the mightiest, fiercest creatures God ever made. 
But there is one animal that the mighty grizzly bear will allow to come into its den and literally eat of the same food that the grizzly bear is eating. And that little animal that comes in and intrudes has a white stripe down his back, and we know it as a skunk. Now, a grizzly bear knows that he can whip a skunk. He can just put one paw on that skunk and just do away with that skunk forever. But you know what? That grizzly bear is smart enough. He's learned that the stink just isn't worth it. It's just not worth it. And so the grizzly bear leaves the skunk alone because he knows that if he retaliates, all he's going to do is stir up a stink. We need to learn the same lesson, don't we? We retaliate, we create a stink, we internalize, we do harm to ourselves, but there is a third option and that's the one Jesus taught and that's the one I'm preaching on this morning. You can forgive. You can forgive. And that's why Jesus said in verse 35 of our text, So my heavenly Father also will do to each of you, if you from your heart do not forgive your brother your trespasses or his trespasses. In Matthew 6, verses 14 through 15, Jesus said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. And then the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4.32, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So I want to encourage you today, just like Jesus forgave you and me and canceled our debt, we're to forgive other people in the same way. You know, in uh, the responsibilities I have as the president of Fruitland Baptist Bible College, I have to work with some numbers quite often and do budgets and oversee financial reports and uh, enrollment numbers and all kinds of numbers I have to look at. And many times I'll get a calculator and I'll start adding things up. And, you know, I can make a mess with a calculator sometimes. I hit the wrong button, I, I do the wrong operation, all of a sudden, you know, there's a number on there. I'm thinking, where in the world did that come from? I did something wrong. But there's a button on that calculator that's my favorite button of all. And it's right up in the corner and it has the big letter C on it. Clear. No matter what mistakes I made, no matter what a mess I've created on that calculator, I can just hit the clear button and it all goes away. And I get a clean slate. And I can start all over again. This morning, in your life, God is giving you the opportunity to hit the clear button. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, ever how many and how great the sins are in your life, I'm telling you, Jesus can forgive you and He can send you away a new person this morning. Forgiven. And if you're here and you are a Christian, you're holding a grudge against somebody else, there's something someone has done to hurt you, and you're aware today, oh, how I need to forgive that person. That's the biblical teaching. That's what Jesus said I'm supposed to do. You too can hit the clear button on that calculator.
And you can clear the damage in that relationship. You can get a fresh start. You can go to that person. You can, you can experience forgiveness. You can forgive them. I'm going to ask this morning that we bow together in prayer as we prepare for the song of invitation. And this is a very serious moment and a serious kind of message that God is dealing with us about today. I want to pray and then I'm going to step down here to the front to help in this time of invitation. But I just want to encourage you to obey the Lord in what He would ask you to do this morning. Let's pray. Father, I just want to pray right now for people who need to make decisions for Christ. Some who may need to come and just experience your salvation and be forgiven from their sins and get a fresh start. Father, there may be others that they need to seek forgiveness in their relationships. Lord, there's so many hurts. There's so many things that can go wrong. Sometimes we offend others and hurt others. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it, it was totally something we didn't even realize was happening. We can be hurt in that same way by other people. But oh God, help us to not hold on to unforgiveness, but help us to cling to your grace and your mercy and your love and your forgiveness. And may that absolutely pervade our lives so that we will have a spirit of forgiveness in regard to others. And so Lord, in these next moments, as we sing the song of invitation, will you just allow your Holy Spirit to do a work in us today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together as Brother Billy comes to lead us in this hymn of invitation. This altar is open today for prayer. This uh, invitation time is in the hands of the Lord. It's, it, it's in your hands. And I just invite you to follow the Lord and whatever He would ask you to do in these next moments. Come. Out of my bonded sorrow and night, Jesus, I come, Jesus, I come, into thy freedom, gladness, and light. Jesus, I come to thee. Out of my my wounds and into thy world, out of my sin and into thyself, Jesus, I come to thee, out of my shameful failure and I come, Jesus, I come, into the glorious gain of thy cross, Jesus, I come to thee, out of her sorrows into thy bones.
and into thy calm out of distress to jubilant psalm Jesus I come to thee Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. We um, appreciate, again, your faithfulness being here week after week. Let's continue to allow God to do His work in our lives. I want us to bow together in prayer, and I'm going to lead us in a closing prayer as we, Lisa and I make our way back to the door. We look forward to greeting you there following the prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come today as people who are grateful for your forgiveness in our lives. Oh, Lord, we could have never paid the sin debt ourselves. And you knew that. And that's why you sent Jesus to do that for us on the cross. And we are so eternally thankful and grateful. And now, Lord, I pray that you will help us as we leave here today to live life in that same spirit and attitude of forgiveness. And just as you have forgiven us, May we live a life in which we freely grant forgiveness in the lives of other people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.